This morning we're going to be in Romans 8 and we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. We started a series last week called The Forgotten Promise and I think that's so true um, because for most of us um, we are so not comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think if we took a little survey this morning, who's comfortable with God the Father? Probably most of us would be like, yeah, I know that guy. Like, I know something about him. Uh, You can talk about God ambiguously, kind of out there. Nobody really um, flinches at that, or most people don't flinch at that, even though everybody doesn't believe, right? You can talk about God in any culture, in any uh, people group, and, and, and God means different things. But for us, we're talking about God the Father, and for most of us, we're pretty comfortable with him. And I would even say that for most of us this morning, we're fairly comfortable with Jesus. If you're here, you're at least comfortable with the idea of Jesus, that we need a Savior. We need um, God with us. We need this Emmanuel. But for most of us, um, we're probably not so comfortable with the Holy Spirit, especially depending upon maybe what group we grew up in or what church we grew up around. The Holy Spirit is something that we know, or someone that we know very little about, Um, someone that we encounter constantly but never really notice, Um, someone that most of us think of probably as the lesser of the three, that it's kind of this hierarchy of God the Father and then God the Son's like kind of down here and then the Holy Spirit's down there somewhere. We're not even really sure that that guy's God. We just know he has something to do with God. Um... And that's dangerous. But for most of us, what we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit is kind of like a worship aid, right? Like, oh man, it's the bridge, the Holy Spirit. Like if he kicks in right here, it's going to be good, right? It's like kind of the, the fuel in our worship tank for most of us. The Holy Spirit is the guy that lets us know it's time to maybe raise your hand, right? Or, oh, it's the jumpy time. Let's do the jumpy thing. Or, man, they got the goosebumps. And that's what most of us think of when we think of the Holy Spirit. But the reality of it is the Holy Spirit is and does so much more than that. And for most of us, if not all of us, um, the idea behind this series is that we elevate in our minds and in our hearts the position of the Holy Spirit. See, the reality of it is Jesus said, as we talked about last week, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, right, and the life, Jesus, who does not have the ability to lie, he's not going to do it, he can't do it, it's the makeup of who he is, the truth. He said to the disciples, it's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come. And if Jesus says that, man, how much truth and how much weight and how much authority come with that statement? And The prayer behind this series is that as a a people, individually and as a group, we would elevate in our hearts and in our minds the position and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to talk about that in Romans 8. Romans uh, is a book written by, or a letter written by the church at Rome by a man named Paul, little known writer and theologian, right? Nobody's ever heard of that guy before. Um, That's a joke. You can, thank you. Uh, That was a sympathy laugh, but I'll I'll take it. Um, Uh, a writer who wrote most of this last half of the book that we have in our hand, uh, a writer who most of the theology, the things we believe, uh, was spoken through, um, that was this guy. And uh, in Romans 8, he writes to this church about the Holy Spirit. And the beginning of the chapter, he talks about the sacrifice of Jesus, right? Not leaving Jesus out. There's no access to the Holy Spirit except through Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not first in relationship with Jesus, there is no access to the Holy Spirit. So he talks about the sacrifice of Jesus, but then he couples these two things together, uh, and he talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit and, and what he does. 
And he goes through a lot of things that I won't read to you this morning because you'll zone out on me um, because it's what I call deep theology. Um, But when he gets to verse 10, he kind of sums some of these up and he says, now, if Christ is in you, and what he's talking about is if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are church word saved, if you've given your life to Jesus, if Christ is in you, um, the body is dead because of sin. Now, obviously, he's not talking about when you come into a relationship with Jesus, uh, you check out from the world, right? I hope not anyway, or we're all kind of in trouble this morning, right? Because we're all still here, and I'm pretty sure, 100% sure actually, that I have a relationship with Jesus. So, if that's true, there's something wrong here. So, what is he talking about? He's talking about the old me, the old man, the old person. When I come to know Jesus, when I step into a relationship with Jesus, the old me is dead, because of sin, I put him away, and he goes on, and he says, if I can find verse 10 again, um, there we go, he says, but the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, is life. The Holy Spirit is life, not a part of your life, or add on to your life, or just kind of like sewn on the side there, but the Holy Spirit is life, the, the vessel which spiritual life is given through, because of righteousness in 11 it says and if the spirit of him the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you if the holy spirit lives in you then he who raised christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you the holy spirit is power and to say that the Spirit of God, I'll just read it again, straight out, of, straight out of Paul's words here. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. This is the promise, right? This is the promise of Jesus. And so we step into kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. In 12, he says, so then, because of these things, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, coupled with the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit, so then, brothers, talking to the church here, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. This is what Paul is saying to us this morning. This word obligated is a word that, that means um, ruled by, basically. It's, it's a word that means required. It's a word um, that, that tells us that we would be bound to or tied to the flesh except from this. And this is what he's saying. So then, brothers, we are not tied to the flesh. We are not tethered to the flesh. We are, we're not tied to the will of the flesh, is what he's saying, to live according to the will of the flesh. In other words, what he's saying this morning to us through the Holy Spirit is we do not have to live according to the will of the flesh. That's good news to me this morning. Maybe for some of us this morning, you're like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't really feel that. I'm not feeling that. I don't know about that Um, because I've been church word saved, right? Oh, I've been saved. I've been in the church for 62 years. Man, I don't know about that, right? I I don't know if any, I don't know if that's true. Can I just say this morning that everything in this book is true? I believe that. And if I didn't, I would go home. There would be no reason for me to be here. Every word is intentionally placed in this book by God, and it's preserved in in, in the authority and the power of him who wrote it. 
right? God. And, and I just want you to know this morning, if verse 12 was not true, there would be no reason uh, this morning for A, Paul to put it in this book. B, there would be no reason it would have been preserved for, what, 2,000 years now. And C, there would be no reason for us to look at this. But this is truth because it's in the Word of God. And here's what he's saying. Because of the Holy Spirit coupled with the uh, sacrifice of Jesus, we are not or no longer ruled, required to live by the flesh. I don't know where you're from this morning. I don't know where, you're, where you've been this morning, but can I just say, this is the truth of the word of God. And for me, that brings enormous hope this morning. Because I'll let you know, I struggle with me every single day. There's nothing that happens when you pick up one of these books and stands in the front of the room that like magically defeats all the flesh in you. There's no special power that comes in and like makes you perfect. There's none of that. And you view preachers sometimes as that and you put maybe that burden on preachers. But can I just say, there are no perfect preachers just like there are no perfect churches. And if you're looking for one, don't go to church. Because there's not one. There are no perfect people other than Jesus. But all of us this morning have the same hope and the same opportunity through the sacrifice of Jesus coupled with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, Paul, through Jesus, says, we don't have to be ruled by the flesh anymore. There's another option. What is the option? 13, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, he's going to dig a little deeper, for if you, in other words, it's an option, live according to the flesh, you are going to die. For if you choose to live according to the flesh, you are going to die. Now, physically, we know everybody in this room is going to die, right? It's a reality. It's a reality that was just presented to us a few minutes ago. Every person that has a heartbeat will one day not have a heartbeat. That's how the planet works. And aside from like the return of Jesus, we're all going out pretty much the same way. So it's not probably talking about physical death here, right? We just come around that idea together. Probably not talking about physical death. Yes, the wages of sin is death. You will die because of sin. You don't die because uh, that's how time works. You don't die because that's how the planet works. You die because God created everything perfect and we screwed it up. Because sin entered the world, death entered the world. Right on its heels. But when Jesus, when God in the garden was talking about death, he wasn't just talking, merely talking about physical death. He was also talking about spiritual death. And what he's saying here beyond, oh, you're going to die, because that's a reality for all of us, is if you choose to live by the flesh, you are spiritually dead. It's a reality. Now, some of us hear that, and we're like, man, I don't know. I said that prayer that one time, and I was over here. I'm not trying to take that away from you this morning. Just hear that. I believe that, that God does save, and I believe that we're all jacked up. I just said that a minute ago, and I believe I'm on the same bus as you. So here, I'm not trying to take that away from you. I'm not trying to scare you into anything this morning. I'm not trying to make you have an emotional decision this morning because you're going to wake up tomorrow and still be in trouble because we're broken. But I am saying here what Paul is saying here through what Jesus is saying here. If you choose to live according to the flesh, you will die spiritually. If you put up no fight is what he's saying. If you lay down your, 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 your weapons is what he's saying. If you give in to sin is what he's saying. If you do not resist is what he's saying. Not that we'll never fall. We fall every day. Not that we'll never fail. We fail every day. Not that we'll never make mistakes. But we either change the truth of the Bible. Oh, that was written to people thousands of years ago, and that probably doesn't mean right now. Heard that? Right? 
Oh, that's not what the word means. Like that was to this group of people. No, it's to all groups of people because it's the word of God and God never changes, right? It's the same. And if you choose to live according to that and to make excuses for the way you live, you're probably dead is what he's saying. If you choose to put down your weapons because it's hard to live according to the spirit, you're probably dead. If you choose to give up and to not resist and to put up no fight, you're probably dead. I heard a guy talk one time. Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? He said on the beach in Normandy that day, there were two kinds of people. There were people that were so peaceful and calm and rested looking and all those were face down in the sand because they were dead. And then there were people that were engaged in the battle. Can I just say today, there are two kinds of Christians. There are two kinds of church people. Those that are always peaceful and calm and got everything together who are probably dead. And then those that are in the battle. And that's what Paul is saying here. If you choose to live according to the flesh, check yourself. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm saying there's a problem. There's an issue. And it may be, maybe, just maybe, that we've never had an encounter or a relationship that started with Jesus. He says if you... Let me find it again. <laughs> For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But he says there's another option, but, one of the most beautiful words in the Bible, um, but if by the Spirit or by the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is what he's saying. Oh, you, you can choose to not put up a fight. You can choose to be uh, just face down peacefully in the sand. You can do that or, but... By the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, who, by the way, raised Jesus from the dead, by that power, you, you can choose to put to death. This is what it says. You, you can choose to put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live or have life. You'll have life, as the Bible talks about, more abundantly. It's not life like, oh, I have a heartbeat. Congratulations, you made it this morning. You still have a heartbeat hopefully. Congratulations, there's breath in your lungs this morning, but that is not the life that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about life in Christ, the, the eternal life, forever life, the life that goes and goes and goes, the energizer battery life, that thing that never shuts down or shuts off, that kind of life. He says there is another option this morning. Amen? There is another opportunity this morning. There is another way this morning. There, there's, a, there's a possibility this morning that we can live and see the defeat of sin in us. Isn't that good this morning? I've, I've been and I've heard and I've maybe even said before, we, we've, all, we've all sinned, we all sin, we all mess up. I think I just said it a few minutes ago. And something in us kind of triggers when we hear that, doesn't it? Well, if we all mess up. Why, why resist, right? If, we, if we're all going to screw up anyway, we're, why fight back? And there becomes this part of us that becomes kind of hopeless, doesn't it? I'm never going to see sin defeated. How many of you guys, and don't raise your hand, please, um, or, or maybe we should. How many of us struggle with sin? I'll raise my hand. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not perfect. Amen, I'm on the not perfect club. I'm in good company because all everybody else on the planet is too, whether you raise your hand or not. We deal with sin. And over time, right, you, you, you feel like you will always be defeated by sin. You maybe go a week, right? That's probably not. Um, 
or a couple days, also probably not, maybe even a couple hours, which maybe is attainable for some of you guys. Um, but no matter what the sin is, no matter what the title, no matter what the tag on it is, like we all do deal with sin. It's part of being here. But in this seems to be hope seems to be this possibility that we can live kind of in a better place. That we can live kind of not, not maybe out of sin, but above some, that we can have victories. And I know that some of you heard this, and you heard me say that, and you're like, then something's messed up in me. Because I lose all the time. I lose a lot I don't know that I ever see victory, actually. And, and then your brain if it goes to, and I've been there, I know it, um, your brain goes to, maybe I didn't get saved. And maybe. Or maybe, like, my prayer wasn't sincere. I thought it was. Like, everybody asked me if I cried, and I said, yeah. So, I mean, it obviously took, right? Um, and we start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I didn't. But can I just say, um, there, maybe that is the truth, but maybe there's another possibility. How many of us wage war on sin in ourself? We try to defeat the flesh with the flesh. It's like taking a sword and trying to hit the same sword, right? <laughs> I don't know what kind of sword you got, but I did not know that was a possibility this morning that you could do that. And I think for most of us, if not all of us this morning... Um, I mean, the reality of it is we try to defeat the flesh with the flesh. We try to over willpower, right, our will. We try to come against ourself with ourself. And we try to defeat sin uh, with a sinful man. And yeah, we pray, right? Jesus, save me from my sin. To which Jesus probably responds, I did that already. Right? See, salvation is a three-step process. I don't think we teach this in the church anymore, but at the beginning of salvation, there's a moment where we give our life to Jesus, and that is called being saved. We, that's where salvation enters the story. But then there's another step, which we never talk about, called sanctification, and that's being saved from ourselves. That's being made more like him. That's the idea that's lost to the church today. It's given up on, actually, by the church today because we feel like we can never get here. So what we've done is we go from salvation and we sit in salvation and we stay in salvation and we said that prayer one time and we did the prayer one time and we're hoping in that prayer one time and we're trusting in that prayer one time, which is great. And then we dodge this whole process because we are waiting on death to step into glorification, which is the third step of the salvation process. That's when we go and we actually are saved, right? So salvation, three-stepped, we, we, we have been saved on the cross. When we prayed that prayer, God saved us. But then we step into sanctification, this process of being saved. It's, it's a current process. And then the idea is we travel through sanctification into glorification, but we skip that step. Just like there are three parts of the Godhead, right? You get this Trinity process. God loves it. Um, we, we've got three roles in this thing, and it's Jesus saved me. But then through what? We are being saved through the Holy Spirit. That guy we never talk about in the church. That guy who is an instrument that accelerates our worship, right? 
that guy who we don't really know who he is or what he does, that guy who we view as is a less than God, that guy who is not like the father and is not like the son but is way down here somewhere and we're not even really sure what he does, we have done a disservice to the church by ignoring the Holy Spirit. Because what Paul says through Jesus in eight is we do have the ability to live a different life. We do have the ability to not just be saved in a moment in time, thank God for that, but to right now in the present continually be saved from our sin. And Paul says right here, you can look it up on your own, um, in 13, but there's another option. You can live according to the flesh and you can figure out where that gets you and you can feel defeated and you can be beat down and you can struggle with your salvation for your entire life. You can do that and you can wonder if God really did anything when you said that prayer. You can do that or, but... You can, if you want to, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that guy who, who's in you, that God raised Jesus from the dead with that same spirit that lives in you, by that guy, you can put to death the deeds that are in the body and you will find out what life really is. You will figure out what life more abundantly is. The reason most of us never see life more abundantly and the reason most of us feel like our days are useless and monotonous is because we've never stepped from, I said a prayer, into today there is hope. Today there is a future. Today there is life. Today there's a better option. And let me just tell you, that option comes through who? The Holy Spirit. Today, there is another option than struggling with sin and being defeated by sin and guilt and shame and wearing that every day. But if we're going to do that, we have to maybe get uncomfortable and talk about part of the Godhead that we always ignore the Holy Spirit who plays a very active role in our lives or should. And it says, we have another option. We can see sin defeated. It says that, right? That we can put to death the deeds of the body. That we can live kind of in another place, in a better place. We can experience what life really is. But to do that, it has to be done through the Holy Spirit. You didn't know he could do that, did you? And it says in 14, all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. All those led by the Holy Spirit are God's sons. That's amazing. Amen? Like hallelujah on that. Because how many of us struggle with do we really know God? Man, that's great that he cries. I don't cry like that. Maybe I'm not saved. Man, that's great that they seem to have it all together, but I don't have it all together. Maybe I'm not saved. How many of you been there? Oh, that's great that they seem to be doing all this amazing stuff for the kingdom of God, but I'm not doing jack for the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm not saved. See, the reality of it is all of us have probably lived in that moment. If you haven't lived in that moment, maybe there's something wrong because it took me a little bit to get past that moment. But I just want you to know the Holy Spirit is the remedy to that moment. Because it says here the Holy Spirit is the evidence, right? It says all those led by the Spirit of God 
or God's Spirit, are God's sons. It's the evidence that we are saved. The Holy Spirit does more than tell you to raise your hand during the bridge. He's a weapon against sin, and he's the evidence of the grace and the mercy and the salvation of God. It says that. In 15, it says, hey, listen to this, people. This is amazing. Uh, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Here's what the Holy Spirit is not. You're an idiot. Read, read on, go back to the beginning. No condemnation, right? The Holy Spirit, God is not a condemning voice. God is never a condemning voice. God will never look at you and say you're worthless. If you hear that, it's not God. God will never look at you and say, I can't use you. If you do hear that, it's not God. God will never look at you and say you're not worthy. He will never look at you and say you're dumb. He will never look at you and say you're worth anything less than what he said you're worth on the cross. He never looks at us and tells us anything, but we are treasured. But God is a convictor. God is not a condemning voice, but he is a convicting voice. Hey, I don't know if you should do that. Hey, that's not lining up. No, I don't love you, but hey, I love you enough to tell you that doesn't work out here. I want you to know you're alive. I want you to know that you're worthy. I want you to know that you're good, and the way to do that is to live following the Spirit. He says the Spirit didn't come to give us uh, the spirit of fear. He didn't come to put us back into captivity. Salvation is not a picture of, some of us got it wrong, salvation is not a picture of Satan's shackles fell off and Jesus' shackles came on. Salvation is not a picture of, I'm no longer a slave of fear, now I'm a slave of Jesus and I have to do whatever he wants me to and I have to wake up and go to church on Sunday and I have to be good and I have to not cuss and I have to, that's not, that's not Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit didn't come to put us back into captivity. He didn't come back in to put us into slavery. We have the choice today to follow Jesus or to not. Even post-salvation, right? It talks about freedom. Go read Galatians. It talks about how we have freedom in Christ. And we do have freedom. You can choose today to do the wrong thing. You can choose today to not obey Jesus. You can choose today to do your, your deal. I would question if I could choose it a whole lot. But he said he didn't come back in to put us into a spirit of fear. Can I just say something? Most of us grew up in churches that this was what we heard. A spirit of fear and a spirit of captivity. Amen? Oh, if you don't do this, God's going to be mad at you. No, God loves you. He loved you before you were saved. I'm pretty sure he loves you after you choose a bunch of stupid stuff too. I don't think you lose it after the fact. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If he'd die for you there, he didn't quit loving you somewhere along the line because you kept jacking it up. That's not how that works. Uh, Losing your salvation, not biblical. It's not a spirit of fear. Can I just say that? Some of you maybe deal with that. Oh man, I think I was saved, but now I don't know if I'm saved. Yeah, that's not a biblical concept. Go find it for me somewhere, and I'll get up here next week, and I'll say that it is, but I've never seen it. I've read this Bible a lot of times, and I've never seen where God is the Indian giver with salvation. I've never seen that. You can't show me one instance where God is like, oh, they've messed up enough. I'm taking it away, and some of you deal with that. See, we don't have to follow God because we're afraid he's going to quit loving us or he's going to kind of remove his blessings or his hand from us. We don't have to follow God because of fear. That was never part of the picture. We were invited to follow God because of love, and the invitation is still the same today. You don't have to, but you can. 
because he loves you and he's a good father, amen, and he wants what's good for you and he doesn't tell you these things because he's trying to keep all the fun away and trying to mess up your life. He tells you all these things because that's what a good father would do. Tell the truth. This will kill you and I don't want to see that. And it says, we didn't receive a spirit. This is not the role of the Holy Spirit. We did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But again, that beautiful word, you received a spirit of adoption. Can I just say the Holy Spirit's role is the signature on the certificate this morning. God walked up into the adoption office and he picked you out and the Holy Spirit said, I'll take that one. And this morning, the proof of the adoption is in the Holy Spirit. The reason we can cry out, as it says, Abba, Father, the reason we can call out Daddy, the reason we can have a relationship with God is this Spirit. Amen. Jesus started the process on the cross. He made us alive on the cross. I'm not diminishing Jesus this morning. I'm just saying, Jesus said, hey, it's better that I go away so the comforter can come. It's better that I go away so the counselor can come because you need to step out of the moment of the cross. That's a beautiful moment, but you need to step into the moment of sanctification. You need to be made more like him. You need to have a relationship with him. I came to open the door and the Holy Spirit come to push you through. And it says the Holy Spirit's role in our life is to be there. He's the proof of the adoption so that we can cry out to God, Abba, Father. I don't feel like I have a very good relationship with God. Will you diminish the Holy Spirit? I don't feel like God talks to me. Because you don't listen. Because he talks through the Holy Spirit. That's the walkie-talkie. That's the voice. You got God's cell phone number. Yeah, and its name is Holy Spirit in my phone. That's how I put it into contacts. And it says in 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. The spirit himself, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we belong to God. Not only does the Holy Spirit give us the ability, the weapon to fight against sin in our lives, which is beautiful. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the weapon to become more like Jesus. Holy Spirit's always pointing at Jesus. We're not diminishing Jesus this morning. The Holy Spirit won't even allow you to diminish Jesus. That's how that works. Because Jesus is like, oh, it's better that the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit's like, because I'm going to point you right back to him. <laughs> he gives us the weapon, right, to fight against sin. Some of you guys live defeated because you don't live in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a power that God has placed in us, a person of God in us that has the ability to win. Lean into that. But not only does he do that, he, he, he gives us the gateway to have a relationship with God. We can, we can speak to God. You read on a little farther and it talks about how we don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit activates something in us that has this ability to speak to the Father and the Father to speak back to us and us to hear that voice and yield to that voice. But what he also does is he gives us this assurance that when God said it is finished, he meant that it is finished. That when Jesus died on the cross that, and I yielded to that and I, and I, and I bowed to that and I, and I give in to that, that it actually did something in me. 
See, the truth of it is, man, we've done such a disservice to ourselves and to the church by being afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit or to act like he's just something that crazy people experience or to act like he's something to be feared. He's not something to be feared. He's something to be to pressed into. See, the reality of it is the reason most churches are weak and most Christians are weak is because we skip this whole middle process that the Holy Spirit activates in us. The reason so many of us doubt all the time, do I know Jesus, do I know Jesus, do I know Jesus, did that really do anything, is we skip this whole person that gives us the assurance. The reason that so many of us allow ourselves to be beat up by guilt and sin and shame all the time is because we don't yield to the person that actually has the ability to do something about those things. And the reason so many feel like our relationship with God is so fruitless and empty is because we don't press into the one that can press into him. See, the reality of it is, man, this morning we have a beautiful promise, a promise that people in the Old Testament longed for. By the way, we're all like, oh man, if God would just show up in a fire tornado, he lives inside of you. A fire tornado is ridiculous at this point in time. Oh, if we could just see the ark, if we could just see the presence of God dwelling above the ark, it doesn't have to be above the ark, it's in you. People long for that. Oh, if we could just wake up one morning and McDonald's would be all over the ground and it would be like a little sign, like a card saying, from God, we would know. That's ridiculous at this point in time. The God of the universe lives in you and he feeds you. And you diminish that every time you're looking back, looking back, looking back. Look to now. Look to now. The power of him, the spirit of the one that raised him from the dead lives in you. That power lives in you. And this morning, we can embrace that together. We can embrace that, and in the embrace of the Holy Spirit, doubts will flee. Amen? We can embrace that, and and in embracing that, the fruitless relationship with God, it will run. We can embrace that, and in the embrace of the Holy Spirit, sin will be defeated in our lives. Or we can continue to give up and give in to there will never be anything more than this. I'm content with sitting in my chair on Sundays. I'm content with feeling worthless and unworthy. I'm content with feeling like there's never going to be more of God till I get to heaven. No, there's as much of God as you will take. You can be as close to God as you will press. Amen? You can know as much about God as you will throw yourself into. You can, you can have the confidence that you will dive into with him. Because the Holy Spirit is the assurance, right? And he's the weapon. And he's the relationship. Let's pray.